Welcome to episode 5 of Live to Inspire with your host Krishna Lakinemi. Today we have my good friend Michael Klein. He's a master certified rim facilitator and a trainer. He's also a senior certified Canfield methodology trainer. He also works with corporations on certified bar values. His journey from junkyard to country club is a proof that anyone can do anything. He's joining the Zoom call all the way from, from Florida, and uh, he has been running franchisee operations for 35 locations, and then he switched his career into something more meaningful for himself. And his goal became building health, love, and success in people's lives. And ever since he has been doing that, he's nonstop conducting uh, training sessions from all the way like Seattle to Florida. He has some ideas how uh, we can create a purpose in our life and also uh, the joy that comes with it. So welcome, Michael Flain. Hey, thank you, Krishna. So good to be here with you. Thank you for joining. You know, it's been a long overdue, I think, but uh, we made it happen. How did you all start with this, like the law of attraction and everything? I, you know, I was first introduced to Jack um, not knowing how much personal work he does. I was there for business content. I was doing corporate training and I was uh, under contract with a hospital and a, a visiting nurse agency and a nursing home. So that was my world. And I stayed very much on the um, more traditional, um, almost stuffy type of training work, teaching soft skills work. And I honestly felt secretly insecure about my training skills because I had no formal education in that work. Mm -hmm. I had been a training and development director in a franchise organization. And um, I just did what my predecessor did. So I never really was sure I knew what I was doing. So a friend referred me to Jack's training program for Train the Trainer and I went to it. And on day one, I raised my hand to do what I thought would be a safe, easy share. And the next half hour, I spent him processing me in front of an auditorium full of people. And so I got to cry and blow snot all over Jack's shoulder and redo some early childhood events. And I, that just turned me on to doing that side of the work. It was so much more fascinating because I realized that all of my other work in business, it was all emotionally driven. I just had no idea and how easy, how much of an opportunity tra for trainers and coaches that big emotions are big, are big coaching opportunities. So I wanted to learn how to do that. And that's when I met Dr. Deb. Yeah, you know, that's amazing. Like you, you, you mentioned that, like, you know, putting yourself out there and making your, yourself vulnerable in front of all these strangers. Um, yeah. I think that- Always a good time. <laughs> yeah, but it gives you the strength. Like I was there too. Like, you know, when you stand up and sharing your something emotional and very personal to you, and then it just frees you, like, you know, liberates you from whatever that blockage is, right? And I'm glad that, like, you know, you're doing some of uh, Jack Hansfield's work and then practicing, you know, RIM uh, being a trainer. Uh, let's talk a little bit about RIM. Yeah, regenerating images in memory. And um, we don't have to get all into the brain science of how and why it works so effectively. Um, but it is, a, it is a tool that uses 
really just uses the power of spontaneous imagination to free us of all of the, uh, free us of the limiting beliefs that we know we have, and more importantly, removes the blocks and the limiting beliefs we may not know we have. Mm -hmm. It's like going to coach directly to the unconscious and work with the blocks that, that are so hidden or the things that are so stuck that are directing our lives. And, um, and it works so quickly and easily and we don't have to figure out why we're suffering or we don't have to figure out why we behave the way we do or why we procrastinate or why we don't feel worthy or why we don't like sales or whatever it is. Mm -hmm. We don't have to figure it out. The unconscious knows what it's doing and we can very quickly and easily move that and usually in very few sessions. Yeah, it's the um, importance of finding the subconscious mind and letting the intuition take care of things. Uh, you know, I, I read uh, Dr. Deb Sandela's book, like, you know, uh, the seven steps to, you know, love and success in life. And those stories are like heart touching and we don't even realize, um, you know, how we develop that trauma and blockages that actually reflecting in our physical bodies and also, you know, stopping us to move forward, uh, like both professionally and personally. Um, I'm glad that like, you know, you're helping people to teach this to other people and help them move forward and create that abundance in their life. Um, so let's talk about um, your personal journey. So you just met um, Jack Canfield and you decided to do the training. Uh, were there any aha moments or you look back and say, you know, there were some painful points in my life that actually got me here. You know, it's always easier for us to look back and connect the thread rather than moving forward. Um, are there any moments like that? You know, if you had asked me that before I started doing, spent the last six years immersed in self-awareness work, I would have said, no, I have an easy life. And I never really thought about myself as having a, any sort of traumatic life events, I guess because I, my way of surviving them was simply to always be looking forward. Mm -hmm. That also cost me something that kept me from really working on it either. Like ignoring it doesn't make it go away. And so I had really hidden blocks. I would have thought that, um, you know, my life was really terrific because when I met Jack, uh, in 2014, I started this, and um, I, I, I tease him all the time because uh, I accuse him of ruining my life, because at the time, my life was easy. We had several retail stores. I had my consulting and coaching uh, training work going on. We owned uh, multiple homes. I wintered in Florida, summer in the mountains, pretty much play when I want, do the work that I want, travel when I want, and um, well, that all changed abruptly when I woke up. <laughs> and, and in a good way, and also in a different way, because we got we just got rid of all of that life and have a whole completely different life. Um, and I'm so grateful for that. But when the scene that Jack took me to when he was processing me um, on that day in training was to the death of my mother or the learning of the death of my mother when I was seven years old. And being the 11th of 12 children, and my my father's an abusive alcoholic, un, incapable of, of really supporting a family. And um, I was staying with one of my older brothers while our mother was in the hospital. Uh, so I have so many older siblings who had already started their own families. And um, so this scene that I spontaneously went to was the scene where my brother 
tells me that our mother has just died. You have to be a grown-up now and don't cry. So the trauma of losing my mother, um, I think had, was dealt with really well. I was adopted by an aunt and uncle who, they're just regular crazy parents like a lot of us have. And I had my own issues with them for years, but I accepted them as mom and dad. But what came to me as really profound about that moment of work was the awareness that the issue was the, the sentence of don't cry and you have to be a grown up. Mm-hmm. You, you're like seven or eight year old, right? Seven, yeah. So yeah. how do you be a grown up when you're seven? And I've been trying to figure it out ever since. And I realized the series of, of memories through my childhood where I was always thinking that it wasn't, it wasn't okay to just relax and be a kid and just play without always being worried about how I'm supposed to be acting. And all of the other parenting I got, I filtered through that. I think that was just the beginning of what I took as a constant reinforced message through my childhood to act more grown up, to act a certain way. And so in, at 50 years old, I finally realized that, oh, I can play. Mm-hmm. I don't have to worry about how I appear to others. Yeah, it's all the conditioning that happens like without even realizing that we are in that box and yeah. that we have a belief system and then a lot of inner work um, is needed really to look at like, you know, break the box and, you know, being aware of what else is out there, right? Um, I'm really glad that like you found that purpose. Um, and I know you have some tips for people who is stuck in their business or personal life. I don't know what I'm doing with my life. Like I'm going to work and coming back, I'm running my business 24 seven, but I really don't know what my purpose is. Mm. Can we discuss something around that? Yeah, you know, I have had several, uh, several graduates from uh, Breakthrough to Success, for instance, who got stuck on finding their purpose. And that's one of the early principles. So um, if you look at the success principles as steps, you might get stuck early on and then you don't continue the steps. Mm-hmm. So w- they're not steps. They, they do build on one another in a logical sequence. But if you, di- if you never did the step of finding your life purpose, the, the decide why you're here, if you never did that, you could have a very happy, very flourishing, full, rich, beautiful life. So don't think of it as a step would be my tip. That if you do the exercises, you give it your best shot, and you just don't, it just doesn't land for you. What if you just took the next step and stepped into action? to see how something feels, and then use emotions as your guidance system to sense what's going on. If you try something new and it gives you joy, you're probably on purpose. We don't have to have the poetic, oh, my life purpose is to instill joy and lift, lift, whatever. It's that we don't have to have a poetic sounding something to frame on the wall. What we have, you, you can use the feedback from your body and trust that. So I wouldn't, my first advice would be don't get hung up on having to find a stated life purpose. And, um, you know, I feel like mine is to help, is helping people flourish. And to me, I know the meaning, the meaning of that word. I know what that means to me, but I don't feel like it's like, I'm not trying to state a uh, corporate mission statement on the wall (laughs) that others can read every day. And um, so give yourself a break on identifying the purpose. You might know it in retrospect years later you might realize, oh, my purpose has always been this. 
yeah this is what my life has been about it's it's all about like being raw and real about your own emotions and accepting yourself and truthful about what's the feelings that's coming out um you know and i know there are certain people stuck with the structure and it has to be this way and i'm glad that you, you said that like there's no steps you just want to experience it and then feel it and then how to process it when you when you deal you, you start bumping into blocks and there's like releasing the brakes and those sorts of things um when we bump into self-limiting beliefs if you have strong self-limiting beliefs it makes it really challenging to state some lofty life purpose that you really want to believe, but you only believe that's available to other people. Mm -hmm. So if we take them step by step, you, if we don't deal with the limiting beliefs first, it's really hard to embrace some of these other steps. So whatever order they come in and maybe we just get a little bit towards this and then we work a little bit towards this and they all rise each other up together. They're so interrelated. And most of my work with individual clients is around I would say removing the removing the known self-limiting beliefs and then identifying and dissolving the hidden uh, psychological blocks or barriers that you don't know you have. Mm -hmm. And just getting rid of those because that's what's in the way because you're not, it's not in your awareness. You don't know what's in your way. You just don't know why you're not moving ahead or you're not motivated or whatever it is. Yeah. And, and um, being open about it too, right? Like, bring the vulnerability into pretty much every conversation when you're having those conversations? Well, I don't want to scare anybody to think they have to get on stage and tell everybody their biggest shame, right? <laughs> um, so I'm a big fan of vulnerability. And what I'm a bigger fan of is helping people find that inner power to where, vulner where they're not afraid of vulnerability anymore. And then they don't have, one path is to, to share it. Another path is to let the negative emotions dissolve on their own, and then the fear of all that goes away. It's not as big a problem anymore. And uh, when you're doing this work, like I, I know there are a lot of people in different scenarios. Uh, was there something that really stuck with you? Hmm, oh, so many things. Um, when I see a huge transformation with somebody in a moment, I realize that it's always in a moment. What I, I used to be amazed that people could do massive transformation in a single session or, or just a few sessions. And even people who have spent decades doing therapy and lots of other modalities. And then I do a session with them and they're just amazed that they were able to get done more in an hour than they'd done in 10 years. I found that amazing. And then I realized that, oh, the forgiveness piece or the letting go of the shame or the the resolution happens like that if it takes you an hour to get to that point or if it takes you 20 years to get to that point it's still only a moment that we're looking for it happens in a moment so it's optional whether you want to spend an hour or 20 years searching for that moment that we can trust that the unconscious knows exactly where that moment is and it'll take you there exactly when it's safe and perfect to do it yeah. If we create space for that, which is the genius of Dr. Deb's uh, creation of, of the RIM method. Yeah. You know, uh, talking about um, how fast the change, the transformation can happen. Um, I was a follower of Jack Canfield since um, 2009. 
um, when Sean Weisner, you know him too. Yeah. We're good friends and uh, he introduced me and I was like, okay, that's great. And I just moved to Canada at that time with like, you know, two months right in my pocket. So I couldn't afford anything, but I was reading the books and, you know, checking some for the soul series and a lot of inspiration there, right? Um, and then until I got to one of the BTS in Scottsdale, um, those five days were worth the past five or seven years that I was trying to figure it out on my own. You know, in your childhood, um, you never really had a plan. Like, you know, I want to help people with finding their love and purpose and success, right? No, that was not on my radar. <laughs> how, how did that make you feel now? Like looking back at that 70 year old, uh, you know, in the graveyard and alcoholic father, um, you know, what was the emotional state? Like, I know you did this work already. So how do you feel? Um, very, I, I feel very fortunate. I feel very lucky that um, somehow I was, my response, I guess in my earliest years, that somehow I just had that natural um, childhood resi emotional resilience that I was able to carry on through adolescence and into adulthood that, um, that somehow I, it was successful enough for me for really for decades to be able to just set that aside and keep forging ahead and not have it be a real problem. And because there are a lot of people that really, they just, that, that lack that emotional resilience for whatever reason, um, that aren't so lucky. So I feel like um, somehow, I don't know if it's just the perfect set of circumstances or if it's total, if it's just total um, pure luck or, um, or just early life training on how to survive in whatever environment. Um, but I just feel very, very fortunate because I really didn't do any meaningful work with it until I was 50 years old. And I had a very fortunate and successful um, uh, adult first half of my adult life was just relatively easy for me. And I look back and people say, well, you have to have big failures or you haven't tried enough. And I don't recall really ever having any failures. And then when I go back and look, it's like, oh yeah, well, we made some mistakes along the way. If you want to call them failures, it never occurred to me to call them failures. I just move ahead um, because that's what I do. And I just, that was just so normal to me. So I just feel very, very lucky in that way. Um, I was able to get a, um, a scholarship to go to school, but then I dropped out of college. I was, my scholarship was to study chemical engineering and military science because it was a military scholarship. That yeah. didn't work for me. And I beat myself up for dropping that until, uh, until a coach asked me, uh, asked me a couple of really profound questions about it. And I let that guilt and shame go and realized that that was the perfect thing. Yeah. So uh, it's, it, when I, when I, it's just a, it is a mindset for sure. I don't know where I got it. I, it's not like I have some genius that figured out how to have this mindset. I've just always had that mindset that helped keeps me propelling. And now I'm doing the work and I'm immersed in the work. So it's, I'm, I'm glad I found it. Yeah, like something in us that's always there and just guiding you through. Now you're like a torchbearer, you know, showing the way to other people. And that's, that's amazing. And I think we all meant to be that way in certain ways. You know, like you said, there's no failures, it's all the lessons and how we are taking that 
entirely depends on like how resilient we are and how we want to persevere moving forward in life. Um, and I'm glad that um, you, you have that gift. Um, you know, even seeing you at the BTS, like you're running around and getting the group together, <laughs> you know, always go, 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 right? Um, so tell me about, um, you know, you, you, you have a Labradoodle, right, Luke? <laughs> Luke, us. he's my, my life coach. We can learn so much from animals. So I have right now, it's a six month old uh, Labradoodle puppy. And, you know, every day, and I learned this when I used to have real dogs, as I call them, when I had labs, is that they wake up every day just happy to be alive. And they live very much, they're always in the absolute present. They're not thinking ahead, although I'm beginning to get suspicious about Luke. He might be plotting my demise, I'm not sure. But we, generally, I don't believe animals are living in the future, so they don't have this fear. And whenever we're in fear or feeling anxious, you can look around and notice, you, I can touch my desk, I can see my computer, I can feel my chair, oh, here I am. Because when I'm in fear or anxiety, I'm thinking about the future. And animals don't do that. And they don't, they're not worried about the past. Yeah. Not animals in the past. Uh, they remember where the food dish is. And, but they're not, they're not worried about what you did yesterday or, or if you yelled at them yesterday because you couldn't take it anymore. Not that that would be me, mind you. But, you know, they're, they're, they're living in the present. And if we can do that, wow, that's so huge. Because we, that's, that's the solution to most of our fears and anxiety. Yeah. And, and it isn't foolproof. It isn't all because it's so easy for me to say that. And I know you have a listener that's like, well, easy for you to say. Yeah. Um, you don't have this to worry about in the future or you don't have that past to look at and to call on. So I recognize that that's why we use the tools we use because that's not a foolproof end all be all solution, but it's a constant reminder having an animal in your life. It is for me. You know, it's, it's amazing. Like cats are amazing. You know, like I had a traumatic experience with a, with a dog. Um, and then it took me 30 years like to overcome that. And, yeah, probably I think last five, six years, I'm really comfortable. And now I'm dreaming dogs in the lips and uh, in the New York substation and whatnot. So um, one day will happen. I'm not rushing it because, you know, I know it's the responsibility, just like having other kid and my kids are so young. So yeah. we'll see where that goes. One of the Jack's successful principles is, you know, I'm not really looking at what is the end goal is. Like I want to climb the mountain, but don't, think about the top of the mountain, but just look at where you are right now, right? And um, do you apply some of these principles in with RIM? I spend most of my time focused on, um, on really on the removing the blocks, creating the empowerment and the, and the self-confidence, the self-esteem piece, so that, um, so that you're free to do all of those tools. Because if you keep getting stuck on them, then what's keeping you stuck on those? So that's a big, one of the big draws that draws people to RIM. And um, yesterday I did a one day retreat, a RIM retreat, first time online, went really, really well online. And um, at the end of the day, we created, a, uh, we created a movie of your life going forward for the next three months or so. And so it's really about creating that positive imagery. And we create it so that it's a felt, to be a felt experience. And we have a third party created out of your imagination so that it isn't your left brain thinking about what you want, which is the ch one of the challenges with goal setting is we're so in our left brain thinking about what we want and you can't, it, it really, you can't help but have your, your own um, critical faculty 
screening and filtering and judging it as you go, mm -hmm. where in a rim-like way, we would make it, it's bigger than guided imagery. It's co-creative, uh, interactive guided imagery so that it's like having, it's like asking God or your dog or an angel or your resource or a tree, whatever it is that pops in, creates it for you. So you're, you're detached from it. And so it's, so it's a whole brain experience. So it does come out differently. And so people can set different goals, um, goals that, that are more, um, more concrete or more important, maybe more attached to the purpose that your intellect hasn't quite been able to name yet, but your gut probably knows. So learning to trust our gut and to trust our intuition will tell you what your intellect, where to look for the answers. So how do we expand that intuition? How do we expand that, that gut listening or that heart connection work is where I spend most of my time and energy. But my focus of, of not visualizing it so much, that's nice. And when you're done visualizing it is where most people stop. You need to emotionalize it. Mm. It's the emotionalization that is more important than the visualization. It's the final step and it's the one that helps the brain create new neural pathways when you attach the emotion to it. The feeling of, of experiencing it is what really anchors it. So I would, I would emphasize the need. Yeah, I'm a big fan of the law of attraction and I think it works. And um, I think most of the teachers that teach it, including Jack, do talk about experience the feeling of it. Mm -hmm. And I think people get through the visualization part and stop. And yeah. Yeah, like well, I think one of the examples I remember is, you know, if you want to have like a fast car, you're not only experiencing it, touching it, you're, you know, sitting in a car, driving and going to the favorite destination and feel the air and everything, you know, it just creates the memory for us to how would would feel when you have it. And then having that emotional attachment, okay, this is where I want to get to, right? Are you writing any books? I know, I have no interest. Uh, I, I'm sure I'm the only person in my circles who doesn't want to write a book. I love, sh I love teaching and, and sharing and it's just not my, um, right now I haven't seen it as a, a, mo a modality or a tool for me to share anything. I would rather share things at my retreats and training. And yeah. uh, so, no, thanks for asking. <laughs> you know, I was just curious because you, you have this, you know, wisdom and knowledge and lots of stories because I know pretty much uh, most of them in Jack Campbell Circle, uh, you know, has co-authored like Chicken Soup for the Soul, yeah. or The Big Seeker and whatnot. What else happening? Like, what else do you think, like, we, we must cover? Well, I think, to, so what I, was, what I was thinking about, to, to sum up um, what we were talking about, about goals and purpose, is um, not to take the exercises so seriously of getting there, the process of getting there, um, that... I think if you if you tie your goals to your values, and I'm a, I'm a Barrett Values um, certified Barrett consultant as well, and so I often tie the values work uh, into the goals work and into the rim work even because it stirs the pot. It really gets us deep. It can very quickly get us deep into recognizing what's really important to us, mm -hmm. and. And then I go into more of a, of the analysis of where it tells us where we are in our own psychological development, really in our own evolution. So then um, 
it just gives us another tool to st where a starting place for diving into more self-awareness. So when our goals are aligned with what really matters to us, not what we think should matter to us, but what really matters to us, then they become self-evident and very and much easier. And um, so I'd say tying it to values. And two is overcoming the limiting beliefs because you set the goal for the fast car, you set the goal for the better job or the building your business. And then your dad's voice comes in telling you that that's not going to happen for you. That doesn't happen for our family. You're going to have to, I wanted to be a musician when I was a kid. Uh, and I was very talented as a musician through high school. And I was always told that you can't make a living at that. The, you know, you're, you, what do you, you don't want to be a music teacher. You can't support a family on that kind of salary. I was going to play the French horn and travel the world with the Cleveland orchestra because I was living outside of Cleveland growing up. So uh, that was not, uh, the vision that was approved for me. So um, I, I got an Air Force ROTC scholarship. And I thought, well, what does that have to do with it? I have no interest in this, right? So uh, I know what it is to abandon the, the original dream. So when I think about what's possible and how you can make a living, and I had to get all of those voices out of my head. So those are the limiting beliefs I know I have. And so we have a lot of tools for getting rid of those. And then how do we get rid of the limiting beliefs or the hidden blocks that we don't know we have? Mm -hmm. And so that, that's, that's huge. The, the hidden triggers and all of that. So, um, you know, I have some resources. I'm thinking that um, I have a number of resources that might help. I could, I don't know how, where this goes. If you could, if you want to share links, I can provide links you can put in later for where people could go and take a free values assessment. In RIM, I do free, uh, and I have a friend who does, um, is doing free rim group rim meditations like five days a week the world just needs it so much and there's a lot of those recordings available and um and i do for people that want to learn uh want to explore if it's something they should learn in their own toolbox if they're a coach or a therapist or a teacher or a trainer uh that want to help their own clients i do a couple of times a week i do free webinars online where they can sample the experience and see if they what more what that's like and if they want to do that or if people want uh, individual sessions um, with me or someone else we have certified certification students who work for free who will mm -hmm. do sessions because they need a certain number of practice sessions to get certified um, so we will help people who don't have any resources or money um, and we'll certainly take money from people who want to uh, hire a, a master facilitator to do that so, um, yeah, there's a lot of resources I'm happy to share and, and see if, if that's of use to. Uh, yeah, that would be really great because I know everybody's walking into, you know, staying at home for almost uh, eight weeks here in Canada to, uh, you know, work and whatnot and the mental impact of like the financial losses and what happened with their relationships and whatnot. Um, so, I would share that link in the video in the footer and also in all the social media posts. Thank you, Mike, for inspiring us this morning. Uh, if any of you are interested in uh, the links, I'm uh, just sharing them in the comments here. So check it out.